to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Our faith needs to be revived, and we need to see ourselves as candidates, really, to be used by the Lord, and not looking at our own inadequacies, not stumbled by the difficulty of the situation that might be in front of us, but just realizing, you know, God is bigger and God is able. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Genesis chapter 25, verses 1 through 11, in a message titled, The Just Shall Live by Faith. Now, here's Pastor Brian. I think you could build a bit of a case that from the New Testament standpoint, the church was intended by God to be what you might call nomadic. Nomads, of course, are people who live in tents. And the great thing about a tent is you can pack it up and move it somewhere else anytime. And as you look at the New Testament, this is more or less the picture that we're getting. Constant warnings against settling down in this life. Of course, there was always the possibility that the Lord was going to return. So there's the many exhortations to be about the Lord's business, awaiting his coming. But there were also warnings about judgments and things that were coming. And therefore, it wasn't really time to, you know, to settle in and to become comfortable. And this is an area where I think that we, as modern day Christians, have sort of lost that perspective. Now, I'm not saying that you can't settle down anywhere. We've all done that to some extent right here. But the point is this, not that we can't settle down, but that we don't get so attached that we can't just pull up stakes. And when the Lord says, hey, I want to move you over here, we just say, all right, here we go. That's how the patriarchs were living. They were not getting themselves entangled in the world. They were looking for a city that has foundations whose builder and maker is God. And again, we have these kinds of exhortations all through the New Testament. But I love that picture that's given to us here. They confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Think of how many things in the world that, that slow us down, that bog us down in, in regard to our spiritual progress. And, and, of course, it's not just the things that we're obligated to do. So often it's, it's the other things, things we don't have to do, but things we feel compelled to do or things we get sucked into doing where so much of our time is consumed with just, you know, living and, and experiencing life in the world. We, we don't have much time to focus or to concentrate or to dedicate our efforts toward the things of the kingdom. If we find ourselves in that place, then, of course, we're in a place where our priorities are out of whack, and we need to get that sorted out. Because the man or the woman of faith, they confess that they're strangers and pilgrims on the earth. This isn't our home. 
We're on our way to heaven. Our citizenship, as Paul says to the Philippians, our citizenship is in heaven. So, you know, if you are a citizen of a, of a particular country, but you find yourself living abroad, you know, you've known people like that. Perhaps you are a person like that. I've met numerous people like that. And they might really enjoy where they're at, but there's always this longing in their heart to get back home to get back to their own country, to get back to their own people. And that's what it is for us. But heaven is our home. So there would naturally be for us this, this longing, this desire, this, you know, wanting the best for our, our homeland, if you will, and, and, you know, wanting to put forth all of the effort that we possibly could here and now to effect our homeland, where our, our citizenship actually is. Abraham lived that way. He was a man of faith, and as a man of faith, he obeyed God's word, even though he might not understand the full details of, of what God had for him. And he lived in such a way as to not entangle himself with the world. But then we read also in verses 17 through 19 that it was by faith that he offered up Isaac when he was tested. And again, I know we've looked at each of these different events but as we go back to that one one more time, you know, here's Abraham, and I was, I was thinking about this today. Abraham, at this point, has basically taken all of the promises of God, not simply all of the things that he desired or hoped for or dreamed would happen, that too, but even beyond that, he's taken all of the promises of God and he's placed him on the altar. And he's just in it, just a complete act of surrender. God, it's all yours. It's all yours. Lord, if you, if you want to, you know, if, if you're going to do something, then you're going to have to resurrect this. There's nothing I can do at this point. And, you know, we, we come to places, I think, in our lives at times where We've, we've got promises from God, but there sometimes comes a point where even with those promises, we have to take those promises and put them on the altar and just say, Lord, I don't know. I believe this is what you told me. I believe that these are your promises to me, but I don't understand anything. Everything's confusing. Lord, I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to give it all back up to you. And if this is really of you, and if, if this is what your plan is, then Lord, you make it happen. And if it's not, then I just trust that you got something else and you'll redirect me. You know, I find, and perhaps you do as well, 
there's a lot of challenges in the life of faith. And we will go through seasons, as we've, as we've talked before, we will go through seasons of perplexity. We'll go through times of confusion. And we will go through periods of just sort of wrestling with God in the sense of, God, what are you doing? I don't understand. I don't get it. It doesn't seem to me like you're doing what I thought you told me you were going to do and, you know, these kinds of things. But there is that place where you just keep coming back and saying, okay, Lord, here it is. It's on the altar. It's yours. And, of course, we know with Abraham and Isaac, Isaac, all of the promises of God were wrapped up in Isaac. If there's no Isaac, then there's no fulfillment of the promises. But God says, take Isaac and offer him. And Abraham trusts God to the extent that he just says, okay, I don't understand this, but I'm, I'm just, here it is. And I'm just believing that you'll raise him from the dead to fulfill your word. So these are the three things that the author of Hebrews focuses on. But the thing that really stands out to me, and this is where I want to turn now, is what is declared in verse 12. This is astounding to me. Look what it says. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead. We often make the mistake of thinking that God needs great talent, great strength, great brilliance, great resource, etc., etc. We often make that mistake. That mistaken notion has probably done more to hinder the work of God than we could ever imagine. By one man and him as good as dead. Now, what does that sound like? It just takes you down to, really, in one sense, the nothingness of the instrument. We, we tend to put a huge emphasis on the instrument. But look at this instrument. Just one guy. That's pretty insignificant, one person. And the one person happens to be just slightly above dead. <laughs> so it's a pretty bleak picture. <laughs> but, but look what happened. We're born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. You see, it's not great talent. It's great trust that God is looking for. It's not great strength. It's great surrender. It's not great brilliance. It's great belief. And it's not great resources. It's great reliance. You see, this is what 
we will come to understand the more we spend time in this word of God, we will come to understand that for the most part, God does things almost exactly the opposite of the way man would do them. This is the picture that you find over and over and over again in Scripture. Remember, Jesus said on one occasion, and these words always stand out to me, he said, that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God. So in some senses, you could almost, you know, look at what man says or feels or thinks or his strategy. You could almost just go the opposite and get pretty close to what God thinks or, you know, what God is going to be doing in regard to something. Totally different views. I was talking to a, a friend yesterday. We were having a meeting and he was telling me about many great opportunities that the Lord has opened up for him for ministry. And they are truly great opportunities. And as we talked, he was telling me about another, you know, possible level of ministry that, that could open up to him. And, you know, it would put him in a very, a very prestigious position. And, you know, from, from the standpoint of, of the world, it would be Boy, you know, that's the place you want to have a, a believer. You want to have them right there in that spot. Boy, the influence and everything else they could have. And, and as we were talking about it and just sharing and, you know, praying a little bit about some of these different things, he already has a couple of very significant opportunities that he's presently engaged in. And, you know, as we were talking, it just, for a second, it just struck me. I said, you know that that other point that we were talking about, sorry, I'm being so vague about it, but I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to violate, um, you know, the confidentiality with them. But I said, you know, that, that other level that is, is out there as a possibility, I just said, you know, we have to remember God does not need that. You know, that's what we think would be the ultimate. Oh man, if we could just get there and, you know, connect with those people and all, but you know, so often the Lord is just, you know, I think a good way to put it is the Lord is almost a lot of times just flying under the radar. You know what I mean by that? You know, we as men, we're always looking to go above the radar. Hey, look at me. Get the camera on me. Let me say something. <laughs> you know, put me in the paper. You know, get me on TV. The Lord say, no, no, let's just keep you down here, right here. We can do a lot of things under the radar here, <laughs> you know? No, nobody knows you're down there. Just be content with that. But you see, that's the, the difference between the way men operate and think and the way God operates and thinks. You know, for many, many years, and I've felt that the Lord has had Calvary Chapel sort of operating under the radar. And it's been a good thing. I remember when I, when I first moved to England, I'm not going to tell you a bunch of England stories, and I did that last week, but I'll tell you one. <laughs> but I remember meeting with this pastor. He asked me, he invited me to come to lunch with him. And we sat down, and he just started sort of quizzing me on, you know, my philosophy of ministry and what we were thinking and why we were there and so on. 
And so I just shared with him, you know, well, we're here just to teach the Bible. And, you know, I just kind of gave him our, our philosophy of ministry. As I was sharing it with him, he had a, a really puzzled look on his face. And by the time I finished, he was even more puzzled. And I said, well, what's the matter? And he said, I've never really heard of, a, of an approach like that. You know, he said, everything that I've heard when I talk to people about coming into this city to plant a church, it's, there's all kinds of fanfare. There's all kinds of excitement. You know, they're coming with all kinds of bells and whistles and things. And, you know, you're just telling me you're coming here with your Bible and you're just, and he said, it's just really a different approach. I've never heard of an approach like this before. But, you know, again, I think this is God's way. One man, and him as good as dead. You see, God doesn't need my brilliance. He doesn't need my strength. He doesn't need my resources. He doesn't need my talents. He doesn't need those things. God uses things, but he certainly doesn't need them. So this is, to me, this, this 12th verse is really kind of, it kind of just summarizes the whole picture of what it is to live by faith and what it is to be used by God in the context of, of a life of faith. One man and him as good as dead. God can do a lot with one man or one woman. One weak man or weak woman. Just any person, basically, that will trust the Lord and believe God and take steps of faith, you will be amazed at what the Lord can do. And that's really, in a lot of ways, one of the lessons, at least, that we get from the life of Abraham. He takes this ordinary guy, calls him out of his nation, away from his family, and in the end, of course, he is the instrument through which salvation comes to the whole world. One man and him as good as dead. He's the instrument through which salvation comes to the whole world. As I've shared with you before, I love to read church history, and I, I like to read biographies, missionary biographies. And the, one of the reasons I like to read them is because you have these fascinating stories of one man and him as good as dead in many cases. You just have these fascinating stories of ordinary people, weak people, people like me, people like you, who just dared to believe God for something and, and then took the step of faith and then found, just as Abraham did, that God is faithful and, and how God blesses and how where there was no testimony for Christ, a church is established and then the gospel spreads throughout a region and in some cases, you know, entire people groups have been reached through just one man or one woman, weak, feeble, not extraordinarily talented or anything like that, 
but yet just believing God, depending on God, trusting God. I think we need a faith revival. Our faith needs to be revived. And we need to see ourselves as candidates, really, to be used by the Lord. And not looking at our own inadequacies, not stumbled by the difficulty of the situation that might be in front of us, but just realizing, you know, God is bigger and God is able. I love the passage in 2 Chronicles 16.9. Maybe you know it. For the eyes of the Lord go to and fro throughout the whole earth, looking to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are loyal to him. God is looking for 21st century Abrahams. God is looking for 21st century Sarahs. The eyes of the Lord go to and fro. That, that hasn't stopped. It wasn't just what was happening at that time. It is something that is continuing to this very day. The Lord is looking over the earth and he's looking to show himself strong. He's wanting to demonstrate his grace. He's wanting to demonstrate his love. He's wanting to demonstrate his power to save people. And he's basically just looking for one man, one woman. He's just looking for somebody that he can show himself strong on their behalf. So, just think, again with Abraham. God took one man and him as good as dead and through him ultimately brought salvation to the world. What might the Lord have planned for your life? You'll never know unless you make a commitment to living by faith. But if you're willing to say, Lord, again, I think of Isaiah. The Lord speaks, who will go for us? Who shall we send? And Isaiah's response was simply, Lord, here I am, send me. And you know, that's it. And, and you've heard this before. It's a cliche that we've heard over and over again, but it's, it's a truth. It's not ability that God's looking for, it's availability. Make yourself available because God's got to work. He's doing a work and we will be a part of that work if like Abraham, we will make a commitment to living by faith. Let's do it in the 21st century. November, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled A Non-Anxious Presence, How a Changing and Complex World Will Create a Remnant of Renewed Christian Leaders by Mark Sayers. 
Have you sensed anxiety in our culture? Have you been affected by the viral flow of anxiety sweeping through social media networks and institutions? Have you wrestled with the loss of personal comfort and stability? If you answered yes to these questions, then you have the opportunity for spiritual growth in response to God's invitation to grow with Him. In his book, A Non-Anxious Presence, Mark Sayers argues that because of the interconnectedness of the global culture, our world has shifted from being one that was complicated to one that is complex. A complicated world requires efficiency, but a complex world requires adaptability. And this is exactly what this book was designed to do, to help you learn how to adapt in our changing world for the benefit of spiritual growth. This book, A Non-Anxious Presence, How a Changing and Complex World will create a remnant of renewed Christian leaders by Mark Sayers is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.